Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. Well, uh, hopefully I uh, remember exactly what I'm doing here as... uh, you're listening once again to the Three Down Greencast with myself, Joel Gasson, back from vacation, and uh, the guy who filled in. I'm not gonna don't know if, don't know if he really filled in well, but uh, John yeah. Fraser was uh, the host of the show for the last few weeks while I was out uh, globe trotting a little bit. But uh, it is safe to say that this may be one of the more relaxed episodes of the Three Down Greencast, as uh, I am still adjusting to being back on Saskatchewan time, so I am fading quite early these days, which is very rare for me. If you know me quite well, I'm a bit yeah. of a night owl. And uh, before we came here, uh, though some of it may have been washed away by trying to uh, put your son to bed, John, you also had a massage this evening, so I think we're both uh, you know, a little mellowed out heading into this one, and it doesn't have there isn't really a whole lot to be angry about right now in uh, Saskatchewan when it comes to the Riders. You're right. I don't think we're going to see an appearance of Angry John, of Ranty John, because, yeah, had a great massage. And even now, the process of putting my kid to, kid to bed, it isn't so much frustration. You just kind of lay there with them, and he rambles for about 20 minutes, and then he closes his eyes and goes to sleep. So it's more of a, yes, that's right, Max. I'm glad you watched that on TV today, buddy. So, again... <laughs> All a very chill situation happening here tonight, and, and as you alluded to, there's not a whole lot to be angry about in Rider Nation right now. No, not, not really anything worth any real anger about, as uh, we know there's been a, a big discussion point, uh, what's going on in Saskatchewan right now, when uh, the Rider surprised the world and uh, announced a new gainer during the first commercial break as... Uh, jibbly, 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 so that, jibbly. That, that got everyone going a little bit, and uh, I have to admit I really dropped the ball on that because, you know, for years, it's always been Gaynor was introduced before the players. He'd run onto the field, and there'd be about 10 minutes before the players actually came out and all that. And that didn't happen on Monday, and I never yeah. even noticed. <laughs> so I didn't put two and two together. Never, There's never that moment where I was like, hey, where's Gaynor running out to the King of the Hill theme song? Like that just that just didn't happen, and it just it didn't cross my mind at all until the first commercial break when they introduced Gainer, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that didn't happen!" And oh my god, he's different. <laughs> he's so terrifying. <laughs> I was so scared, Joel. <laughs> yeah, like so. At first shock, I was like, "Whoa, this is really creepy and weird," and the eyes are still there, 
And but so yeah, my return to three down nation was you know this great piece of journalistic integrity where I compiled a bunch of tweets of people reacting to New Gainer. <laughs> in in we're, fairness, we're real, in fairness, real Buzzfeed of you. Yeah, in fairness, in the group chat, I said it, and there was going to be a post, and then uh, Dunk said he would do it, or he asked if I wanted my name on it, and I was like, I don't really care. <laughs> Whatever, it's fine. There's you know I think people will understand this for what it is, and then I wrote a real piece later, so it was fine. Um, you know, this is, this is the topic talking point this week because it's kind of boring when the riders are winning and kind of playing well. So, I mean, yeah, the eyes are weird, but overall I've kind of come around on it a little bit. You know, I think the yeah. face could have been a little different, but other than that, I think then, you know, the new shoes, the lack of that weird collar that never made any sense, a little more streamlined, a little slender, you know, all that makes sense and it works. But yeah, the face is allured. The one interesting I, interesting thing I did see today was from a local mom blogger, uh, Tina LaFontaine. She was saying today there's a real PR missed opportunity where they really could have developed the story more over the last few weeks rather than just dropping this out of nowhere on everyone, which I thought right. would have been cool because you really could have you know talked a lot about you know health and fitness and the whole thing. And instead, it was just kind of like it felt like they came out of nowhere and. You know, I think that's really what surprised everyone more than anything. That, that's because this isn't about health or fitness at all here, Joel. The reason the gainer is skinny and looking tweaked out is because he got himself into meth. Clearly, <laughs> it's the only explanation. Gainer is on meth now. Um, I I shouldn't say I dislike the costume. I, I, I feel generally indifferent to it, but it is freaky as hell. Those eyes look like they're piercing into your soul. They don't look like a fun, loving mascot. They look like a rodent that got into some, like, meth lab in the corner of somebody's, you know, acreage, and out he comes. Uh, there is one design flaw that, uh, that I noticed, or uh, somebody pointed out on Twitter, that the way that his um, patch on the front of him hmm. droops down into two ball shapes, kind of. It kind of looks like his jersey ends. Then instead of having had like a nice round looking patch of white fur, it kind of looks like he's got a giant nutsack coming out from the bottom of his jersey. So there's that. Well, and um, that was the that was the other weird. That's kind of I guess the thing about this too is this was an opportunity to give him pants or something, and he's still just out there without pants. And he, and he looks more out there than before, I'd say. Like, before, you're like... I mean, it, oh, sex gotta... sells, right? I mean... I, 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 <laughs> guess, I guess so. Gainer's got a... He's showing off that new summer bod. He's just... Uh, it, it's like when, you know, I forget to do my fly up sometimes. I always say, I'm just trolling. He, maybe he's just trolling for some other messed-out uh, gopher ladies or... Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think Gainer has gone from lovable, adorable, cuddly, where even I wanted to give him a hug, to the kind of mascot that'll leave kids running and screaming and hiding from him, because it's just those eyes. It's there's no there's no friendliness there. There's only amphetamine. That's all that's left of poor Gainer. Uh, yeah, we'll probably get used to it over time, though. I'm sure it's just, it's just it was a lot at once and very unexpected. Because overall, you know, the riders, to their credit, have done a, they're trying a lot of different things at Mosaic Stadium this year to make it more of an experience when you go to the game rather than just yeah. well, you just want to come to the game. Nothing else matters. So to right. their credit, they're trying. This was just one I don't think people were expecting. 
in any way, shape, or form. And, I mean, I guess, well, I mean, if it helps sell some more stuff, I guess, maybe. But I, I don't really know what the end game is on this one. But there has been some pretty good marketing around it. The team does seem to be leaning into this whole, maybe the fans don't really like them that much angle a little bit. Kind of a la, you know, some of the other mascots you've seen and released recently. But I don't think Gainer yeah. really has that, you know... There's a personality and a background to Gator that makes it hard for him to, you know, instantly take that heel turn and for everyone to really buy into it. I don't think this isn't Hulk Hogan joining the NWO or anything like that, but, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's going to take time, I think, for people to embrace this new persona of Gainer, and eventually it'll probably just become normalized. Can can we call him Gainsosaurus, the gopher? Because, you know, he's all, like, trim and fit and stuff now. Maybe. I mean, he was, apparently, his workout was very fast, because I heard on the CJME post-game show that Belton Johnson saw the old gainer on Saturday. <laughs> and as of Monday, he looked like that, so... Well, it could be like a I want I want to know what boxer. workout plan that is, because I'll go on it tomorrow. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I, I, I hear you. If I can go from, like, being bulbous to, like, skinny in a day, um, I, I'm with you. And, and, and you bring up a good point here, Tool Joel, with... Uh, Drawing people in, what was the last time you and I talked about something that the writers have done in a marketing or game entertainment standpoint? Like, I, I, I remember once an old, I remember once watching a, an ex-player absolutely dunk on a poor reporter who wanted to ask him about the mass wedding at Old Taylor Field uh, in a scrum and basically getting shot down uh, rather than having fun with it. And it just seems like that's been the culture of the team for a bit. But they're having fun with Gaynor, and big kudos to them. And, and it's almost a disappointment because of the uh, the rain delay that uh, Big Sugar is probably one of my favorite bands to see live. I mean, I, I wasn't there. I had to work the next day. But uh, it would have been a great treat for people in the stands. So I like the combining a concert with a football game. It, it seems like... The marketing department is doing and has always generally done some good things. But, you know, I, I'm almost thinking that that somebody at some point had to look at those at those messed out eyes of Gainer and go, OK, there's a marketing opportunity here. Let's run with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I to me, like there's smart people working within that organization that may lead me to believe that this was all part of the plan. They got a lot of oh, great God, yeah. free publicity out of this. I mean, we're talking about it. We're talking about the mascot, for heaven's sake, after they just beat down a team after a week before that, they put up 41 points. And we're talking about the mascot. So, I mean... That's true. I mean, you know, generally that's the kind of stuff you roll out when a team is struggling, but there's positive stuff to talk about that too. And we're going to get to that, but... Uh, I don't know how to transition out of this. So, uh, John, uh, what's in the glass this week? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, I was thinking to myself for a while during this conversation, Joel. I'm like, did did he forget that we do no. the beer thing first? Come I'm on. like, uh, I was I was starting to worry. I thought that maybe he'd become all whiskeyish on me. Um, what I am drinking, um, we can put this up. If I had a playlist, if I could have a playlist of summer beers mm -hmm. and call it John's Fresh Jams, um, I found another one. Uh, Rebellion's Golden Crush. Oh yeah, and and much love to the. Uh, I, I was impressed with the Sobeys Liquor Store in Humboldt. I stopped my way through to Engelfeld, where I spent my uh, my July long weekend with with family, and uh, the craft beer selection rivaled that of the city, hmm. and that is where I found myself some gold. In fact, I walked right in, and what I liked about their beer fridge is is 
even the beer fridges at the Sobeys liquor stores here in Saskatoon, you walk in and you see Molson and Labatt's and all that right front and center. The second you walk into this, to, to the liquor store in Humboldt, right hand side is a wall of local craft beers. Nicomas, nice. Blackbridge, Rebellion stood out, obviously, with those bright white cans, pile of bones. You know, it was just, it was nice to not have to go looking for it. It was just right there, all the big signs, drink local. And oh boy, did I ever drink local over the long weekend. And a boy, so that's uh, that's what I like to hear. Uh, I did not because I wasn't here. Well, I did. I Fair. drank. I drank local in Nova Scotia. I just didn't drink local here. But but I think the sentiment. Yes, uh, that, that that's really what I do. No matter where I go, and I'm not a huge traveler, but when I do go places, I do try to drink what is local to that area because that's your that's where you're going to get the freshest best beer. Do I yeah. think Saskatchewan makes some of the best beer in the world? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I've drank in a lot of fresh beer in other places that just does not come close to a lot of the stuff, you know, some of the big names in this province are producing. Uh, yeah. For me, it's back. I saw it when I back in my first day of work today. Uh, the Nokomis Summer Kettle Sour. Just, uh, just an all-around delicious brew. And I believe they sent some of that to the stadium as well. I could be wrong on that Ooh. one, but I, was, I believe it was that and maybe even the Golden Ale. One or the other made its way to Mosaic uh, for the first time with Nokomis. And uh, 21st Street out of Saskatoon was also at the stadium this weekend as well. Oh, I, 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 I love that that initiative is continuing. Speaking yeah, of absolutely. more good things that the riders are doing. And, and, and yeah, I guess people are, the, the, I mean, the demand is there. You look what happened almost every single game. It, it, the, brewer, the local breweries have sold out of beer yeah, if by the end of the game, if not by halftime. Yeah, and it's it's not totally common for this to happen in places, especially across Canada, where a lot of places are stuck in really bad contracts with big breweries or regional breweries to uh, supply their beer. So I, you know, I've been to some places in the states where you can find some pretty decent craft selection or some local stuff, but you know that's more the exception than the norm. So the fact that this is happening in Saskatchewan is really cool. So. We'll always continue to tell you, if you're at a game Mosaic Stadium, head to the southwest corner, pick up some local brews, and uh, make sure that everyone knows that this initiative is well-supported. Uh, one thing that's well-supported, or one guy right now who's well-supported in Saskatchewan, is uh, quarterback Cody Fajardo, who uh, put up another monster performance, granted, against yes. arguably the worst team in the CFL right now, in the Toronto Argonauts, and a defense that just... Oof. Uh, oh we've watched a lot of i've watched we've watched some bad defense in this province at times and um that toronto one is uh it's something right now and uh, and how how about that toronto offensive line that's also my goodness uh, i i i i don't think i've seen offensive line play that bad since my days of calling the canadian junior football league yeah, like that's just that offensive line is it, it. And I wrote this on my piece in Three Down Nation, and I thought it during the game watching it. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not comparing the quarterbacks quite so much in terms of skill level, but just watching James Franklin and trying to get a read on him and what kind of quarterback he is and if he's actually good or not reminds me a lot of Drew Willie just constantly being under siege in Winnipeg. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. It was as as a guy that is a Bombers fan. It was very reminiscent of that, like, like, and and I think you combine a crap offensive line 
with the defense of the Riders, I, I thought the front four were getting their best push we've seen all mm-hmm. year, and it seemed to be... Well, like if, they this, didn't, this if whole... they didn't get a push in that game, that would be very concerning. <laughs> no, 100%. And I think, I think as a whole, the Riders needed this on both sides, from Fajardo all the way mm-hmm. down uh, to, to get their confidence up. I mean, you look at the play of, of Zach Evans and, and, and Mika Johnson and, and those guys, like they just, they just had a, a feast on Toronto quarterbacking that night. And I, it's funny. You're right. We've watched some bad defense and some bad football teams. Have you ever seen in your life, NFL, CFL at any level, a team that looks this bad as the Toronto Argos? I mean, if it wasn't for the two hour weather delay, the way the riders were rolling, I thought this could have been back to back 40 to 50 point losses for the Argos. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like even some of the record-wise worst teams we've seen in football history. I mean, I don't like the 0-16 Browns weren't this bad. The o- the 0-16 Lions, the Detroit Lions, obviously. Like you yeah. know, these teams are generally in games. Like the Argos just do not look like they are anywhere close to even competing in a football game. Which is saying something no. when you have a, the other arguable worst team in the CFL, the Montreal Alouettes. At least they look like they might be able to compete in football games. Yeah, the so, Argos, there's just there's nothing there at all. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're bang on with that. Like there is not a single, and, and you're right. Like I looked at I looked at the the fight that that Montreal had against Edmonton uh, in the season opener, and and mm-hmm. even though yeah they were Montreal, you went okay, this team's gonna play well for Kahari Jones, and 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 they're gonna be scrappy, and and they're gonna make winning difficult, but. Toronto just like overmatched in every sense of the word. So uh, yeah, they were I mean, they were overmatched by the team that probably most people will have in their power rankings. Probably between like you know around five or six, fifth or sixth yeah. in the league on the, in terms of the power rankings right now. Probably about where the Riders are going to end up falling. I would say for most people, and Toronto's not even close to that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Now, now again, I think a big, big part of it is—is is you alluded to it. I mean, um, and he is making you look like a friggin' genius, Gasson. Um, Cody Fajardo, who you boldly predicted on this program, would be the Riders' starting quarterback. I believe I said he could push Zach Caleros, and I believe that he would be capable of winning them some football games. Because I also, in my six predictions for the season, I wrongly thought that Zach Caleros would last a majority of the season. Right, and now I think uh, Zach Caleros is probably, even if, if he's not physically done for the season, he's done for the yes. season. So so after this game where the first two games here, Cody Fajardo, close to 500 yards, close to like, a, he's almost put up 1,000 yards in two games, which is absurd. Yeah. And so, you know, we need to touch the brakes a little bit on just how good he might be. You know, he got a you know bad Toronto team and, you know, he played really well against Hamilton. But I think at this point, and we've seen the discussion a little bit kind of turn around to, is there a quarterback controversy here? Mm-hmm. And I saw the piece from Glenn Reed on CBC talking about, you know, the, there's a controversy brewing. And I was like, really? And then Jamie and I had the commentary where it's like, no, there is no controversy. So we can't even agree if there's a controversy right now. But I'm more likely to fall with Nye on this one and say there is no controversy. And I was talking about this with a uh, friend of the show, Dan Plaster from CBC last night. Or the other, whenever it was. And I said, we were talking about, you know, the old, there's that old theory, you don't lose your job to injury, but this is one of those situations where it's looking like it. 
And it really feels like even if Zach Caleros is capable of coming back this year, which I think there's even questions as to whether he should even attempt to come back given his health, um, this feels very much like he's going to get Joe Flacco out here because I think Cody yeah. Fajardo has earned the right to be the starter until proven otherwise. That doesn't mean one bad start he's done. That doesn't mean one bad quarter he's done. But if he has a few bad, if it looks bad for an extended period of time, then okay, you have Caleros hypothetically, should he come back on the bench to come to, you know, kind of recover from that situation rather than going the other way around where you throw Caleros in and then it goes badly and then you've kind of thrown Fajardo out of his rhythm and then it's all just, you know, it's all just a downward spiral from there. So I think it's yeah. essentially, okay, you're going to, you're Joe Flacco'd him where he's, or Cody Fajardo's now Lamar Jackson and it's basically his job until he tells you otherwise, I think. Yeah, or, or, or Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady, also, uh, it's also what I'm thinking of. But like, the thing is to me, why I don't think Fajardo's a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the throws he's making downfield. He is making accurate, well-covered, perfectly tossed balls downfield, which, which, as as we all forgot, and I think we've alluded to, was a staple of Stephen McAdoo offense when he had a guy that could do it. When he had Kevin Glenn mm-hmm. that could make those tight window timing throws, that could stretch out the defense. And, yep. and, and again, you have to respect, like defenses this year as opposed to last year, have to respect the abilities of William Powell. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see everybody able to just pin their ears back and know that you know a short com- a short throw is coming, and you know you can just you can just go out and get the quarterback. You have to respect Fajardo's ability because you have to. Pardon me, you have to respect William, William Powell, which is going to open up things downfield for Fajardo. But you still have to make those throws, throws that. I didn't see Zach Caleros make last. Yeah, time. I was going to say I don't, I don't even think Zach Caleros is making those throws right now, even if he's healthy. So yeah, he's he's just he's just not. I don't. I I, I, I as much as a, a likable, confident guy he is. I, I've never interviewed him, but anybody I've spoken to says he is one of those likable guys on a team, which makes you drawn more towards a team as a media guy. But uh, you're right. There was nothing that he showed me last year that I went, yeah, okay. But what Fajardo showing like like some of the throws he's making into tight windows into coverage mm-hmm. and it. Out, out the side, like he's making every throw and he's making them look good. I am like Joel. I, I mean, if I'm you, I stop downplaying the fact <laughs> that you said he could push him. I start like, like I've had a lot of. Uh, there's been a lot of bad takes on the show, mostly from me, nearly all from me, ninety nine percent from me. So we finally got a good one. So I think I think you get to brag that uh, that you, that you had this one, buddy. Well, it's still early, so I'm gonna we're gonna hold off a little bit. But uh, well, the interesting part you say, okay, so you, when you look at Cody Fajardo and the way he's playing, what he's doing, you know, with his throws and the numbers and everything is impressive. But there's a lot of little things too that he doesn't look like a guy who's made who is making a second career start. There was times where you know he's directing guys on the field post huddle. You know, he's like, no, no, you know, he's like moving people around and getting them to yeah. where he wants them and everything, which. Generally, some guys take years to figure that out, and here's Cody Fajardo. Granted, he's learned behind, you know, he's had chance to stew a little bit behind guys like Travis Lule and Ricky Ray, and, and so, you know, that's valuable experience that he got, and now he's kind of taking probably parts that he learned from those guys and putting that into practice and now putting that into an actual game and just... He just seems like a guy who is, you know, he's bounced around a little bit, he's learned, and he's kind of grown into this, and he just he just feels really confident while he's doing it, and he's just saying, you know what, this is my chance. I'm going to take it, 
And you talk about likable guys. You know, I've heard mixed things about Zach at times, but mm-hmm. definitely 100% everyone seems to have a very positive review of Cody Fajardo, the person, which makes this even easier to cheer for him and hope that this is, you know, that he is the real deal, not just for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and their fans, but for him, really. Yeah, I- Absolutely, and, and I know you listen to the pod and uh, just allude to the the people that uh, can we call them the gas heads, the gas heads that uh, are so committed that they didn't listen while it was me and Pat McKay. And <laughs> it, it, go back and, and listen to the I believe it was the first episode that Pat and I did together, and he talked about the kind of guy Fajardo is, mm-hmm. and he, it just I think another reason I love him is he's got a fun name to say. And you know how I feel about fun names to say. I mean, <laughs> I mean that is like I, that is like probably 20% of what matters in sports. You know, the guys' um, names. Is that a little high maybe? A little low? Uh, no, no, a little low in my books at least. Okay, in my okay, books it's a, it's like, you know, a guy's a guy's probably my favorite player based 60% off his name. I mean, such as my, you know, years-long love for Sergio you know, a kicker who played for my team for a cup of coffee. Now, <laughs> I think I think he might be like Fajardo. Like I can do the same thing, Fajardo. Just don't ever say his first name because it doesn't really work in that. It doesn't no, roll. It doesn't roll quite as quite as well as Sergio and Castillo. But as long as you stick to the last name, yes, it it, it, it can work. Uh, or or unless I just make it like awkwardly like Canadian, Cody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Maybe it's just I, the number. Maybe maybe other theories. Maybe it's just the number seven in this province. Oh yeah, that's what it could be. I mean, yeah. Dustin Dressler yeah, yeah. was pretty darn good with that number. Willie Jefferson yeah. was pretty darn good with that number. And now apparently Cody Fajardo is pretty darn good with that number. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. That's a really good point. Maybe it's just like blessed. Uh, like, would Dressler have been the one to really make the number seven relevant? I would have to ask uh, the writer historian that is Rob Vanstone if there had how many you know relevant number sevens there were before that. Because as an out of towner, out of provincer, you know, my knowledge of the riders is pretty limited. Prior to 2012, when I started covering the team, I know little bits and pieces. I you know follow the CFL a little bit when I was younger, and I remember like Neilan Green and those guys, but. For the most part, you know, I don't have the significant rider background, and I mean, no one really has it compared to Rob Vanstone, quite frankly. But no, that would, no, that would no, be that would and, be an interesting you're question. Right. That would be an interesting question to ask Rob. Of okay, so before Weston Dresser, were there any like significant number sevens in rider history? And if you're listening to this podcast right now, uh, feel free to tweet either of us on uh, Twitter and let us know uh, before we have to ask Rob, so we can maybe save ourselves looking like fools to. Uh, the master of all things writer history. Well, 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 Vanstone finally followed me after about four and a half years the other day. <laughs> so, like, I really, you're right. I really hope some listener can come up with this, and 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 our um, and our friend Rob doesn't because I don't I don't want to like I feel like I've I've hit a certain plateau in my life, but I'm followed by both Vanstone and and Murray McCormick uh, on Twitter. So I don't want to screw this up. I, I know Murray would forgive me, you know. He, oh, he, there's, there's so many things Murray forgets all the time that, yeah, we can easily... You, you'll you be fine with Murray, don't worry. <laughs> exactly. But Vanstone, I feel like I feel like that's a different level. Like, that's the, that's like, you know, that's like luxury car level. Once he starts following you, it's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta step my game up now. Like, I made a comment about Kawhi Watch today, and I'm like, will Rob approve? 
Will he still follow me? What time did you tweet it at? Mm, I don't know. I was at work. You probably uh, wasn't awake yet. Rob, as much as a night owl, I am Rob is like an even greater night owl. Like he sometimes will write stuff at like two in the morning. So <laughs> I, I, I tweeted I tweeted it about Kawhi Watch at one or twelve fifty nine PM. Okay. You might have you might have caught him then, yeah. I might have caught him on his morning uh on his morning Twitter Twitter look, you know? Yeah, or he might have been on a walker on Muscana or something at that point. Yeah. I don't really know what, I don't really know if there's a whole lot going on today that he would have had to cover. Fair, yeah, uh, ga- the gainer gate. That's <laughs> yeah. what he would have had to cover. <laughs> I don't know. They probably would have left that to someone else. Hopefully, anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hope so. I, 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 I'm, I'm already like, I'm, I've been having a lot of fun with the nightmare talk and everything like that about gainer and the fact that I haven't slept in two days since seeing his face. But you know, I've, I, I, you're right. That is not a Van Stone story. No, I mean, he, I'm sure he's made references to it, and I'm sure it'll come up on Rob's observations if he still does that. I don't remember, sorry, I don't read much from the later poster that religiously anymore. But, um, yeah, so the other interesting storyline, really, that came out of that game was uh, the lack of game for, <laughs> yeah. for a couple of hours. And there's not really much to say there. It's, you know, kind of a Saskatchewan tradition, it seems, for... A big storm to roll through in the first game of the year. Now, usually there's like just a random spurt of hail, like just before warm up or something. But yep. this was a doozy of a storm for a couple hours. I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, how the space there was in terms of you know getting guys, to, getting everyone to cover and all that. And okay, yeah, but I mean you don't really plan for that when you're building a stadium, quite frankly. But uh, the only point I really want to make on the storm and the delay. And apparently the Riders could have won that game without finishing it, which might have been good for everyone if that just kind of kept going. Yeah, yeah, apparently they were like half an hour. I never knew there was a rule. Apparently yeah, they were I didn't like know half that either. an hour away. Yeah. Like, that, 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 that is the first time I've heard of that. Yeah, I'd never heard of that. Like, I don't know if that's a new development that the league kind of quietly snuck in or not. I don't know, but... I mean, again, it made well, sense. So we started making. I started making jokes in the press boxes, like, "So I guess this game is official right now. If we can't end this rain delay, like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's like it, it'll be like when whenever you heard the old, uh, you know, watching baseball and the guys are like, oh, it's an official game now after the five innings or whatever it is.' But yeah, I, I think the big kudos though mm-hmm. goes to the fans at the game. Absolutely, I remember watching a game. Um, a Winnipeg game that also had a lengthy, lengthy storm. Well, that was that up. was the was that you're talking about the first game last year. Yes, yeah, because rec- yeah, yeah, I remember the- I was at my bachelor party that weekend, and I was in Toronto, so the game started later, obviously. Yeah. And uh, we watched a little bit at my buddy's place. We went out for the night, and we came back, and it was still on, and we we're like. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? What happened? Because there was like there here? was like two multi-hour delays, wasn't there? Because like two storms rolled through. Yeah, it was it was definitely like it was it was a long one, and the number of people that left uh, Investors Group Field or IG Field, I should say, even after the first storm delay, compared to the amount of people that stayed in Saskatchewan, like from from everybody I've spoken to, like, and, and you said it, what you you figure about sixty percent of the crowd stuck around through that weather delay, and and yeah, probably I'd, I'd say I would say a pretty good chunk of people actually stayed around. That I mentioned that I was like, wow, I was surprised at the number of people that decided to wait this out. And it was cool, and 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 just and from some of the crowd shots, at least on the TV side, 
I think they just dominated the beers. Like it looked like a party on that concourse. Holy cheese! It looked yeah, like a good uh, time. The uh, the the beer order through BDL for um, the Saturday's game against Calgary, I'm sure, is going to be a pretty hefty one after that uh, two hour delay. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's that's going to be a very dry stadium until everything gets uh, gets loaded back up. But yeah, big kudos to the Riders fans for sticking it out when. Yeah, would have been easy and tempting. And, and again, I, I think there was a lot of fans that ended up uh, like I know I've spoken to a lot of people either here from Saskatoon or, or a friend or Moose Jaw or, or Swifty or things like that that did take off. And hey, that's understandable. You got to work the next day. You don't you oh, know you don't yeah. know when this rain delay even is even, even local fans. I wouldn't considering that there was like a two hour delay or two hour yeah. five minutes or something by the time the game actually started again. I would not have blamed anyone. Who have left oh, now? God, if no. if they came out and said, "Okay, this is going to be a twenty minute delay," and then like forty percent of the people left, I'd have been like, "Really? You couldn't wait twenty minutes?" Exactly. No, <laughs> but, you're, you're you're bang on. But I yeah, I was really impressed with the way that that crowd stuck around. And I get I get a lot of people. I mean, they could tell the game was over in the fourth quarter, wanted to go make the fireworks and things like that. But I mean, that was just that was an awesome display of Ryder fans to to stick it out through that one and just crush a bunch of pills. I bet you. Yeah, and the only disappointing side of it was uh, Big Sugar then decided to play after the game. Yeah. And they played for basically nobody. <laughs> there was which, which, there was very yeah. few people there. And I put that out on Twitter, and then there was actually an interesting response from someone who said, and I thought of it, and when they said it, I was like, that actually makes a boatload of sense. Why didn't they just play? So there was a 15-minute warm-up period before they yeah. started the quote-unquote second half. Why didn't they just play then? Well, and, and that's what I thought was going to happen because I was watching. You were at the stadium, and I was watching on TSN, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, it was either because they kept throwing uh, to Toronto and then back to Regina, and then yeah. at one point somebody said, "And Big Sugar's warming up to play." I'm like, "Oh, great! They'll play through the warm up. That's a great idea." Like, Would have been a great idea, yeah. And then just mm, no. So, hopefully, hopefully, Big Sugar gets a chance to come back out because damn. Those guys are good. They are, and hopefully uh, they, their show was better than the wait, the year-long wait for the rec laws in Winnipeg. That we that was not. Uh... That was that was not good. That was something that also up. was good during that delay. Was uh, we saw a little bit more personality from the CFL and TSN panel. Oh yes, which was yes. fun. Which it was a lot of fun, and they kind of broke away from their kind of at times, hockey-style-like approach to how they do panels, because uh, that's yes. apparently the only way we can do things in Canada. They let out, yes. they let out their inside-the-NBA on TNT side come out a little bit, which was which was nice and fun. You know, Milt's crowd-surfing and putting on rider jerseys, and fans are chanting at Hank, even though you know, it was all in good fun now, and then... I don't know what... You know, Matt Dunnigan might have pulled out a grill or something, maybe, but it was just... It was, <laughs> That was fun, and I was like, "Hey, guys, do the kind of stuff more often. This is what this is what the league needs. Be you know, be inside the CFL, you know, NBA on TNT. This thing, and then maybe have some fun. And that was that was great. I enjoyed that part too. Well, especially with the personalities that that panel has. Yeah, that panel does not have uh, like like Rod Smith might be your straight man, but, but he's the host, and that's fine. Like, but but on the same note, if you ever get a chance to. Um, speak with Rod Smith, or I've mm-hmm. had the pleasure of interviewing Rod Smith before. He's far from a straight man. He is—he's hilarious. He's yeah, engaging, yeah. and he's got giant hands. That at Grey Cup 2011, 
he had four cans of beer wedged in between his fingers. Yeah. It was damn impressive. Like, I feel like he could be, like, in that great voice of his. Hey, you guys want to see a party trick? And just grab four cans in his fingers. And, like, I bet you everybody would go nuts. And, yeah, you're right. Way more NBA on TNT style with the personalities that crew has. It would totally work. You couldn't take a bunch of, like, Maxwell House drinking coffee guys and hosts and things like that make them have personality because that got beat out of them the second they strapped on skates as a peewee kid yeah but no that, that was fun and i would like to see more spontaneity more of that from the panel going forward so going forward into this week now as we uh, kind of maybe take a little look at the league as a whole right now, we kind of talked about the Argos. But I think uh, the other big story right now in the CFL involves uh, the team the Riders are playing next. It's the Calgary Stampeders as uh, yeah. Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, by the time you listen to this, we may have a clearer answer on what's going on with him. Uh, a lot of talk has something to possibly do with his pec. Um, but he is apparently looking for a second opinion, which generally speaking Oof. isn't usually because there's good news. So. No, and it was especially too the the comment that I read tonight that Bo Levi Mitchell basically came out and said, "I'm getting a second opinion because I'm going to the stock. He's going to a doctor in California as a second opinion, and apparently this is it's not James Andrews or the the fabled baseball doctor, but it's a guy with similar clout. That even Bo Levi said this guy works with pitchers, this guy's worked with Kobe, this guy's worked with, and like." He's name dropping the athletes that he normally works with, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think it's good news for Calgary. No, like like at, at all, like especially when you have one of those non-contact injuries. Mm-hmm. Dude was just chucking a ball and something happened. Like it, it, it just, yeah, it, it, it's got, it's got long term the seeds of long term or the smell of long-term all over it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't even know when Bo Levi can get down to Calgary, to, or pardon me, California from Calgary to get the second opinion. So you'd almost have to think it's John Arbuckle's uh, time, you know, bring on Garfield there and away you go. Yeah, like I'm not even just talking about like this week. Like I think it's pretty obvious and pretty clear that at the very least Bo's not playing this week. And yes. it's obviously big news here in Saskatchewan and big news for the riders. But the question becomes, how far does this go? And what does this mean for Calgary? Now, Arbuckle, you know, okay, yeah, he went nine for nine down the stretch last week in a ridiculous game against BC and pulled out a win out of the fire. Yeah. But it's very different starting. And, you know, we'll see what happens when I believe, you know, the riders should be ready to play him. I don't think in, you know, they're not going to come out and say it, but I'm sure internally they're not expecting Bo Levi Mitchell to play. No. So they're probably preparing for Arbuckle, and you know, and Calgary has kind of looked human to start this season. They lost their opener to Ottawa. You know, they don't generally lose at home that often. They lost an opener at home to an Eastern team, and then they probably should have lost to the BC Lions, but pulled one out of their ass. And yeah. you know, it's it's looking kind of like you know Calgary's vulnerable right now, and there's their injuries are starting to pile up again. And we knew we know that you know, the foot that you know everything the foot has to drop at some point on this Calgary team, where they're not the juggernaut that we see every year, and the seeds of that are starting to show a little bit right now. I think. 
Well, I, I, I'm with you, too, there, Joel. And I think we're seeing an interesting experiment here through the first few weeks of the CFL season. Mm-hmm. The, the two teams that locked up their quarterbacks do absolutely, like, mega deals. Mm-hmm. The 750-plus that Mike Riley and Bo Levi are, are making. Yeah. And you're looking at the fact that they haven't looked like a solid team. It's almost, you know, an experiment or an argument for the 500 grand a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, it, to me, Winnipeg is a better complete team right now than I definitely say BC because, you know, Matt Nichols makes good quarterback money. But Matt Nichols is not making three quarters of a million dollars in a league in which your cap is five million. Yeah, well, and I, I think in fairness with BC, they're still a new team with a new identity kind of trying to figure themselves out. Which with yeah. a whole with a whole new coaching staff, it, it's going to take time. Uh, they probably should have at least one win, maybe two by now. But nonetheless, they're they are where they are at this point. And but I, you're right, and there's this very much an argument I had when I cared about hockey with people, and there was always the discussion about the cap. And you know, me and a buddy of mine, we talk a lot about roster build and how yeah. you maximize the talent that you have with the money available, and you look at a guy like Dale Talon this week for some reason who decided to give a goalie $10 million a year over seven seasons, and that's his horrible roster management. Never give a goalie that much. Now, it's not quite the same as your quarterback. I agree with paying your quarterback, but there is a line. I'm not going to say that Bo Levi Mitchell is overpaid. He's worth, he's earned the money that he's getting. Yeah. And it could also turn around and it could still work. But, I mean, in the NFL, you're starting to see a lot right now where, okay, teams aren't going cheap on quarterback, but when they find a guy out of college and they have him on a rookie contract, that's when they decide, okay, this is our guy. You're seeing it like in L.A. right now. You're starting to see it in Chicago and Philly for a little bit now, but Wentz they're going to make more money soon. Where it's like, okay, we have these guys on a cheap young contract right now. Let's take advantage of this and load up around him and go for it now. Rather than it used to be, you would try to build your young quarterback up into an elite talent. Now it's like, no, we need to win now with this guy. Well, well and, and, that's, and that's it. And I think that bodes well for the riders if Fajardo can continue to be what we think he's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, now you've got... Especially team. if uh, Caleros' cap it doesn't count for this season. Well, well, ex- exactly, and, and, and regardless, I mean, you still had you had two guys that were between the two of them, probably in the four or five hundred grand and range for your entire quarterbacking staff. Uh, well, that's a. I've I've heard Claros's drop from last year wasn't. I think it was Dunker reported wasn't as significant as we all might have thought. Okay. Okay. So they're probably. I don't even know how much Fajardo would be making, quite frankly, because he's kind of been a third stringer. But so yeah. they're probably, I think, say for easy sake, I think, I think Claros is probably still around four. So there maybe be five, six between the two of them, maybe. Right, right. So now you know you look at you look at you know Edmonton and you look at or pardon me, not Edmonton. You look at Calgary. You look at BC. You know, and their quarterbacks are going to be closer to eight to nine by the time you account for the backups and things like that. So to me, this experiment is is working very well for the riders. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to have a great opportunity because I think you're right. I think Calgary's depth is being tested and they don't have the luxury of keeping guys around anymore. Now that they're paying Bo Levi all, all the money and if Bo Levi goes down, man, I, 
I, I think I, I think they're going to bleed their own blood. I think the Sharks will start to circle, and, and we could see a turning of, of fortunes in the West Division. Which is, which is, should be good news uh, for yourself and the Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans, because I think they're, they've kind of been the consensus pick in the West this year would be them. So especially if Calgary falls off, that really, really makes a big difference on everything across the West. And it's gonna, it'll be hard to say whether that actually happens or not. Um, I just I just don't know. It's still so hard to write off Calgary. I think Arbuckle they do believe in him probably yeah. as as a pretty good quarterback still. And it, but yeah, you're right. It will be an interesting experiment. And we kind of saw it a little bit with the Riders in 2017, when yeah. or was it 2018? Yeah, 2017, when yeah. they were paying essentially Kevin Glenn and Brandon Bridge the equivalent of one quarterback, and then they were able to have, you know, essentially an all-star roster of receivers to make them look good. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah, it, it will be interesting. And you mentioned Winnipeg be on top. Winnipeg will still do what Winnipeg does and find a way to completely screw this whole thing up.